Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. I'm so stoked to be here with you today. And I have brought on one of my beautiful friends that I actually met through social media. This girl, her name is Rebecca, and she is just one of those amazing humans that you can't help but be drawn to. And she has had a rather rocky journey when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. And yet every time I speak to her, I am just filled with hope and light and positivity. And although I don't know what she has experienced, I don't know what she has gone through. Um, I know there are so many other mamas out there who, who do know exactly what she has gone through. So I wanted to bring her on today to share her story with you, just in case it resonates with you. And in case it's something that you also need hope and light through, she has been pregnant three times, but she only has one cute little at her house right now. She was a very first pregnant and positive pregnancy test. Everything's developing. Everything's great. She goes in for her first test and finds out it was a blighted ovum, which if you've never heard of that before, it just basically means everything in your body is acting like it's pregnant, except for there is no baby. There's no baby. And, but everything else is, is acting like it's pregnant. So you do get a positive pregnancy test. It's rare, but it, it does happen. And I've heard of it from a few of my friends now. And then her second pregnancy was successful and fabulous and brought her, her beautiful girl, Allie, Allie, I just said Allie, Addie, who is just the sweetest. How old is she? She's three, three, she's three. And she's just the cutest. And then this last pregnancy, she just barely gave birth. We're recording this in June and she just gave birth in March. And that sweet little boy, his name was Julian. And he had, it looked for a long time that it was trisomy 18. I interviewed someone earlier on my podcast that does have a son who had trisomy 18, but they realized and found out it actually wasn't. It mimicked trisomy 18, but it was essentially diagnosed as unbalanced chromosomes where things from 15 and 18, the 15th and 18th chromosome were mixed up, swapped, deleted, all the things. There were brain defects, heart defects, and really the poor guy just, he never really had a chance at living. Um, And so he, she gave birth at 28 weeks and four days, but they found out that he had stopped growing probably about a week prior. And so she had a stillborn. And so with all of that said, (laughs) Rebecca, I just want to like pick your brain for a second. (laughs) How just tell us tell us everything, whatever's on your heart. All right. Well, first of all, any mamas that have gone through any of this, I am so sorry. Like it's the pits. (laughs) The only thing that I can imagine that would be worse is losing your spouse unexpectedly. And suddenly you're a single parent. That's just my opinion. Everybody can, you know, everybody's going to feel it differently. Um, I don't know. So yeah, right before Christmas 2020, we'd already had a really crappy year that far. I think by Christmas we'd had 10, yeah, we had had 10 uh, family members or close friends of ours that had passed away since July. So it was like this super short time and all of these funerals, we've since doubled that now. Um what, and then I ask, I mean, I know a little bit cause I know we've talked about it, but like, uh-huh. was it COVID related? Was it like one, one, one has COVID? been COVID related, others like, in old age, domestic violence, suicide, kind of like the whole spectrum. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. That's a lot. And then of course, one of them being our son that was stillborn. 
Um, so we had we gone in for a routine doctor appointment, um, I think at the beginning of December. And my husband had already asked about the genetic testing that they can do now because he was like, how does that even work? And because my cousin had done it to find out the gender of their sweet little baby. And so, you know, he explained things by, I want to say it was like nine weeks. There's enough of baby's genetic material in mom's blood that they can just do a simple blood draw, separate it all out. It'll tell you the gender. It checks for all these different abnormalities, all kinds of things. And, you know, you have all these answers right there. So we were like, okay, cool. We should do that because they weren't, because of COVID, they weren't doing the normal 16-week gender check ultrasounds. So we were like, it'd be really cool if we could find out before Christmas, because then everybody's going to be there. It just makes it easier, you know. And so we were like, okay, cool. So the weekend before Christmas, I'd missed a call from my doctor. And he was like, it's not an emergency. I just need to talk to you and your husband. And I'm like, all right, that's weird. And then um, that the beginning of the next week, I got the email that the genetic results were back. So I you know, hurried and paid the money and was um, while we were in the process because I forgot to screenshot the receipt for HRA. Um, my husband was helping me find it. And we just happened to see that one of the results came back as high risk. And I was like, that's weird, but also not because I'm kind of high. I haven't had a pregnancy that's not high risk. And um, so we click on it and we see that he's high risk for trisomy 18. I knew what it was because I've worked in healthcare for a very long time. Um, and I was just, I broke down immediately because only five to 10% of the kids that do make it through pregnancy and delivery and all of that, only five to 10% of them make it to a year. Um, so I just, I broke down. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Christmas is in two days. Like, you know, we're, this is supposed to be happy. Um, and so uh, Addie was actually in the room when we found out and she's very in tune with people's feelings and she's very empathetic. It's a little bit crazy because I'm like, you're three, you know? <laughs> but um, she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, well, obviously I can't hide it from her, you know, like she can tell something is wrong. Um, so we kind of explained to her, like, we don't have all of the answers yet, but, you know, we just found out your, your baby's going to be a boy, but he's not going to live for very long. And to have to tell your three-year-old that you're like, oh man, and she was like, she was already so excited. And, you know, so we had to tell her and I just, I think I forgot how to function that day. I just was like, everything turned upside down and I was just like, what the heck? So um, my husband told his boss like, hey, I gotta take the rest of the day off. Like we just got this crazy news. And she's like, his boss was like, yeah, take it, take it. You know, like, let me know if you need anything. Um, so then we had to decide, are we going to act like everything is fine for Christmas? or are we gonna tell our family? We had two days to tell our entire family. So ultimately we decided, you know, it's, it's gonna be best if we don't have to fake anything. Mm -hmm. So that night, um, my husband went and told my parents and his parents while I stayed home with daddy, cause I was like, I can't see people right now. I'm not somebody who likes to be seen when they're emotional. And I'm just like, no, that's not gonna work today. Um, and then my sister had texted me and she was like, did you get the results back? And I was like, yeah. And so I filled her and she's like, you've got to be kidding me. And so she helped me let our mom friends know my husband is taking care of the parents. And then we're like, if you can help us call these people, we'll call these people. Like just got it split up so that by Christmas, we didn't have to act like we were fine if we weren't actually feeling fine. Mm -hmm. And so Christmas, it was good. I mean, as far as it can go with that kind of news right before. And then we actually got really lucky because my doctor, he called us. We talked through everything with him. And he's like, you have to go to maternal fetal medicine. They're going to do 
an amniocentesis, it'll confirm whatever or let us know in what direction we need to go. So we did all of that. We actually got really lucky. There was a cancellation. So we were actually able to get in before the end of the year, which was like huge because we were looking at waiting at least a month to find out all of this. Um, we went in and she was like, based on the these ultrasounds, because um, she was like, did you see his heart? And I was like, or she came in and she was like, so his heart? And I just went, yeah, I saw it. And she was like, wait a minute, how do you know? And so I like had to explain and she's like, did you see his brain? And I said, yeah, I did. Um, the back part of his skull was missing. So his brain was growing on the outside of it. Um, and then his heart had a few defects with it. Um, and so she was like, based on everything I've seen in the ultrasound, this is trisomy 18. What? Okay. And um, she, uh, so we kind of want, she was like, you can do the amnio if you want to. And I was like, well, why would I want a giant needle stuck in my belly if, you know, I don't have to. What's um, What is that? So an amniocentesis is where they take a big needle <laughs> and they guide it with an ultrasound and they pull out some of the amniotic fluid. And then they send that for the genetic testing. Um, and so I was like, oh, if I don't have to do that, like, I don't want to do that, you know, like, I hate needles. I hate, I'm fine doing it to other people, but the second it's my turn, I'm like, oh no. And they just um, do that, like the point of it is to verify exactly what's going on. Type yes. Mm -hmm. um, so we ended up leaving that appointment, not doing it. Um, and then at our next appointment, they were doing a 3D ultrasound to make sure, you know, just see how everything's progressing, see if he's still growing, because with trisomy 18, um, growth rate is a really big concern. They end up being really tiny, you know, so we went in to go have this, and it was a different MFM doctor, and she was like, I highly encourage you to do this test, and I was like, but it's a big needle, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that, and so in the end, I ended up doing it, and it ended up being a really good thing because it came back not trisomy 18. So we went from, this is like a big fluke, you know, the chances of another baby having it are really low. You know, you could just get pregnant again when you want to, to this was an actual genetic problem. There's still a big chance that it was just this crazy fluke but you and your husband should get tested to make sure that you don't have a balanced translocation so that, you know, if one of our chromosomes decided to flip it and, but it did it equally, then, I mean, you're fine other than when you try to have kids. <laughs> um, so we'll have, the, we're going to do that this summer and then we'll go from there, but they do have, if, you know, something were to come back wrong with one of us, we can do, IVF for any future babies and they can scan and only implant embryos that don't have the genetic defects on them. That's amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's truly incredible that they can do so. Yeah. Okay. And you said MFM doctor, what does that stand for? Maternal fetal medicine. Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm so. like health professional up in here. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Okay. Yep. No. Sometimes I forget. No, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So through all this, did you like ever find yourself just angry or what was your like dominant emotion? Um, oddly enough, I actually felt kind of lucky. So we were fortunate that we found out 10 weeks in advance that they're, you know, like our baby was most likely not coming home with us. Small chance that maybe for a few days, maybe a week, but most likely not coming home with us. Um, and that's a lot more than a lot of parents get if they have a stillbirth. Um, so we, so with this pregnancy, I actually had started bleeding on the day of my husband's aunt's funeral. During the funeral sometime, I had started bleeding. And it was kind of crazy because I was like, um, let's hurry, take Addie to the bathroom before we go to the cemetery. 
So we're not trying to play that game, you know, with the three-year-old. And then I was like, you know what? I might as well too, because pregnant, you got to go to the bathroom all the time. Like, and I just, I happened to notice the blood and I had no idea when it had started, except that it wasn't before I left. So we, I went outside and I grabbed my husband and I said, we have a problem. And I said, I am bleeding. I don't know how long I've been bleeding. I don't know if this is just the normal spotting that you can get sometimes that I'm not like, I'm, I have no idea where we're at with this. So we didn't want to cause too much alarm with our family because nobody knew we were pregnant yet. <laughs> and we just had, you know, a funeral for a 39 year old woman that had a brain aneurysm on her birthday. Um, oh my gosh. I know, I know. And so we went to the cemetery and then we hurried. We're like, uh, we'll catch up with you guys at the luncheon. We just got to go take care of something. Um, fun fact, we didn't actually end up meeting them at the reception, um, or at the, the luncheon. Um, so we hurried at the cemetery, jumped in the car. I called the doctor and they're like, Hey, we're going to send you in for blood work. Um, so I did that. And, um, I remember as we were you driving were home, for long at this point. So at this point, I didn't actually know because I wasn't a hundred percent sure because like I'd skipped and then it was like pregnant, but I'd had a bunch of not pregnant. Um, so it ended up, I think, as around eight weeks. Okay. So I was like, at this point, I'm anywhere between eight and twelve weeks because I didn't actually know for sure. Um, and I remember as we were leaving, I told my husband, I said, I cannot lose this baby without Heather to fall back on. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Wait, who's Heather? That was his aunt. Um, and I said, I can't, I can't do this without Heather right there. Like she's one of, she was one of my biggest supporters, especially after I became a mom. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And we went, we did the, um, they tested the HCG levels. It, it all came back fine. So I was like, okay, there's our bump for the pregnancy. We're done, right? Like, this is fine. And we, um, you know, he came back and he was like, the only thing that was weird was that your levels came back really high. And I was like, all right, there's bigger problems, you know? And so and he's like, but I mean, everything else looks absolutely perfect. So I'm like, okay. So then we get the genetic results back and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, um, so we ended up, um, you know, telling everybody and I was just, you know, part of me was like, how am I supposed to do this without one of my biggest supporters, you know, cause like I have my mom and I have, you know, other aunts and everything, but we just kind of had this bond. And so I was like, what in the world am I supposed to do? And so I remember thinking that a lot because I'm like, what the heck? But I also remember that every time I thought that, I just felt close. Like she was close by, she knew what was going on. And she knew that, you know, I needed her or whatever. She was there. Um, and so we- and between, Sorry to interrupt, but you're good. between- this funeral when you started bleeding and your genetic mm -hmm. testing how much time was there like a couple weeks probably about six weeks so um I was like okay you know like I don't know and everything just kind of fell into place so my husband's uncle works at a cemetery and there was one weekend that he was working and it was a funeral for a baby and he was like so we do ours a little bit differently. And I was like, okay. And so where they're at, they, they do 11 foot plots instead of eight foot plots. And um, the extra three feet is where the headstone goes. But for babies, they can put them there and then they just move the baby's headstone when whoever's plot it is. Um, after they pass away, they'll move the headstone to the side a little bit and then put that person's headstone there. So my husband's grandpa um, had bought plots for him and his wife and then his kids and their spouses. So my mother-in-law said, I will donate mine um, 
and you can, you know, you can put them there and then we can go from there, which was a huge blessing because if you've ever had to look at plots, they're not cheap. And the city that we live in doesn't have a cemetery yet. So I'm like, anywhere we go, we're going to have, you know, the non-resident costs to pay. And so I was like, I was glad because he's going to be by family. Um, so that's because that's so that's where I was leaning towards having him buried anyways. Um, and so that fell into place and just kind of the timing of everything we were able to plan financially, we were able to just be ready so that when, whenever it was time, all we had to do was just set everything into motion, mm-hmm. which is a huge blessing that not a lot of parents get. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also had the benefit since my husband's uncle works at the cemetery, he knows which mortuaries are best to work with, which headstones places are best to work with. And he just was like, you wanna go here, you wanna go here, you wanna go here you know, like, obviously, it's up to us, but this is what he recommends. And so um, we were just so lucky to have that. And all of our family is close by. Um, Probably the hardest that I had was when Addie would tell me that she was sad about it, because I would just get mom guilt. So, 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 so bad. Like, what can I do about it? You know, there's nothing I can do but I would just, I would feel so bad because she was so excited for her baby brother and all of those things. And so um, she would like tell me and I'd end up feeling guilty and it would like turn into sobbing. And my husband's like, well, there's nothing you can do. And I was like, doesn't matter. I'm still going to feel guilty. Like, um, and so, you know, that was probably the biggest one. I can't say that I ever really felt too angry about it during it the only time that I've ever really felt anger about it is like if I come across an article about like child abuse cases or something like that because I'm like oh like why can they have their kids but I can't have you know um so I think that's really the only time that I've run into anger from it because you know of course I've been sad of course you know, you, you're devastated, your arms feel empty, you feel like you just have this big hole, and, you know, but I can't say that anger was really one that I've dealt with too much with it. Yeah. So have, what have you found with Addie? Like, has she still expressed sadness? Are you guys? She you- does occasionally. She will, she will come up and tell us when she's sad, just straight up, and sometimes she's sad about baby brother. Sometimes she's just sad that her great grandpa passed away a few years ago where she's sad that Aunt Heather passed away and she'll just come and tell us. And it was a little bit crazy. The day before my last doctor's appointment with this pregnancy, um, it was supposed to just be check his growth, see where it's at, plan a little bit more for delivery. But I just had this feeling and I would always, I always get super nervous. My first pregnancy just kind of scarred me for life. I always get super nervous at appointments and I would always get so nervous before appointments with Julian's. And I would just be like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the time, you know, it's, there's not going to be a heartbeat. And the day before she goes, so aunt Heather passed away. And I said, yeah. And she goes, and baby brother did too. And I was like, um, not that we know of yet and but sure enough we went in the next day and there was no heartbeat and there you know and I was just like what wavelength were you on like how did you know before I knew like things felt off but I was just like I'm just nervous I'm always nervous like it's gonna be fine it'll be fine but you know she she just kind of knew so when we found out we had to go grab her from one babysitter and take her to the one that was going to have her overnight. And when we told her, she was just like, yeah, I know. And I was like, what now? (laughs) And she was like, she was a little bit, but why? And so we, you know, explained his heart wasn't very good. His brain wasn't very good. And his heart tried to keep going, but eventually it just stopped working. Like it broke. It just stopped working. Um, and she was just like, oh, okay. And that was it. And I was like, wait a minute. Are you sure? That's it. Like, <laughs> so yeah, but she's, 
she's been pretty good about if she's upset she'll just she'll just come tell us and we talk it through and has your mom guilt like subsided about it a little bit every now and then I'm just like oh I'm so sorry kid but so um but it has gotten better after the funeral and stuff we did um so Julian was in a little bit of rough shape when he was born so we decided that it was probably going to be best for Addie to not come to the hospital um just because of the way he looks yeah we didn't want to like scare her she wasn't going to be able to hold him um we had because of COVID my biggest concern initially was like but how is Addie going to see her baby brother because our hope had been able had been to be able to deliver him alive um and then kind of go from there hello and um uh, but since that wasn't a case and he was kind of in rough condition, we were just like, it's probably going to be best not to. But they, um, when you find out that your baby is not going to live for very long, there is a company that at least the Intermountain Hospitals work with. It's called Angel Watch. And they coordinate all kinds of things for you to help you through. They will send you all kinds of information. They send, you know, whatever, and they helped coordinate that if we wanted to, that even though COVID restrictions say that you can't, they were able, they were going to be able to bring Addie into a room where we could take her to see her baby brother if we wanted to. Um, ultimately, we decided against that. Um, the same company has bereavement specialists that are in the hospital. Um, and she came down and she took pictures for us. She took handprints, foot, hand and foot molds, just like everything that you could possibly want besides your baby, because that's ultimately what you really want. Um, and just so we have like nobody else can see it, but the shelf behind me is just stuff that they did for us. They had they were able to help us get a, um, a burial outfit for him because he was much, 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 much smaller than we had intended or than we expected. Um, and they just were so good. And they had um, a bracelet for me and one that went with Julian that match. Um, they had a teddy bear for Addie that she could snuggle that had a matching hat that um, Julian uh, got um blankets like anything you could possibly need they had it all ready for you which is so nice um and then of course we have you know we have pictures with him and mom and dad and you know like that's just what we have to remember and by but we cherish it so much yeah. oh, that's amazing so. <laughs> <sighs> i just feel I don't know like how you do it, but I just feel so much like peace, like talking mm -hmm. with you. It's, it's crazy. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just feel like if I was ever in your situation, I would probably <laughs> divert to like primary motion angry. Mm -hmm. Like why yeah. why me? And I would honestly probably direct most of my anger at God. Like. What, what? I'm not gonna lie I'm very surprised that I didn't yeah. because that is actually my normal reaction like my first pregnancy when it ended the way that it did I was just like you have got to be kidding me like I was I was furious and we for Jillian we tried for a year to get pregnant and I was just like but this time I I didn't feel angry and I was like confused by it but I was like I mean it's probably a good thing that I don't feel angry but um, I was just like, I don't know, anger was not, I just, with how everything fell into place and with how much help we had, how much support we had, like, I laugh because they told, somebody asked if they could bring dinner and I was like, oh no, we're good. Um, I said, from family offers alone, I would never have to cook another day in my life if I didn't want to. Um, and we were just, we were so lucky that, you know, if I was super sick or I just, just didn't, you know, wasn't up for it that day, I had three or four houses I could send Addie to for a little bit to just let her play with other kids or, you know, somewhere where she gets to be the center of attention. And um, we were just, we were so lucky because not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that you 
not only do you see that you were blessed that way, but also that you take advantage of it. Cause I know mm-hmm. sometimes, especially as moms, as women, sometimes it's just our nature to just, no, I got this. Like, I don't need, yeah, like I can do I'll, it. Yeah. yeah. I'll grin and bear it. I'll tough through it, mm-hmm. whatever. But I, I love the fact that, cause I think sometimes when we do that, we don't recognize that not only are we not helping ourselves, we're also not helping our children. Yeah. You know, and like you just said, like she can go somewhere and she can be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. So that blesses you because you have a little bit of alone time to process, to grieve, to heal, to just mm-hmm. be. And she has time to think about something else and to yeah. have fun, you know? Yeah. And I love that. So as a as a fellow mom who mm-hmm. doesn't know you know, I've never experienced what you've experienced. Like, what what can I say? What can I do to like, in those moments when I have friends or future people (laughs) or whatever that like find out, Mm -hmm. you know, is there anything or what can I say? What should I make sure never to say, you know, like, is there anything? Give me some sleep. Like, there's not a lot you can say because plain and simple, it sucks. Like, that's just it. It sucks. Um, mostly make sure they know that they're there for you, that you're there for them, but mean it. Like if you, you know, they don't need something now, but they might need something later on, like during recovery or, you know, they're just having a hard day later on because grief, it sneaks up on you and you're just like, oh, hello. Thank you for that. Um, but actually mean it don't just say it because that's just what people say when things are hard you know actually mean it be there for years to come if they need that um don't ask them like be there for years like just verbally like text them like check in on them yeah check in on them see how they're doing like I have I have a family member that I swear she's a mind reader um she is so good um she I feel like she keeps track of doctor's appointments for my family better than I do because she will text me that day and be like, so how'd it go? And I'm like, you remembered that? Mm-hmm. But um, she does for, I think, at least every other day for the first several weeks, she would text me, how are you doing? Do you need anything? I'm here if you need something, you know. Um, and it's gotten to where we're in a little bit better. And so, you know, the text spread out. But she, I know that if I needed something, I could just call her up. So just make sure that, you know, if they need something, it doesn't matter if it's two years after it happens or it's two days, you know, um, if they need something, they know that they can call you and that you actually mean all of the offers that you're giving them, you know. Um, One thing I would say not to say, and this kind of goes for, probably like uh, if they're pregnant or not, or just lost a baby, don't ask them if or when they're gonna have more kids. Because first of all, they might be trying and you don't know. Cause like, like for a year, Julian, you know, with Julian, we were trying for a year and people would always be like, so when are you having another kid? Addie's getting old, she might be spoiled if you don't have another kid, blah, blah, blah. you know? And I'm like, you know, first, it's none of your business, first of all. Um, but also I had, after we found out with everything going on with Julian, people would be like, so are you going to have more kids after this? And I'm like, can I have this one first and then go from there? I'm like, he's not even born yet. He's still alive, you know. Um, so, and we would also, even before we had, you um, before I got pregnant the first time it was people are like you've been married a year are you gonna have kids yet and my answer is a little bit more salty with this one I would just be like practice makes perfect it'll happen when it happens <laughs> you know like go away um but also don't be like um so one thing we had when our genetic when our first genetic result came back was we knew it was a 90 percent chance that it was trisomy 18. And so many people would be like, but there's 10%. And I'm like, in the medical world, 10% is very little. It's not, you know, some people would be like, but tithing's only 10%. If you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
And I'm like, yeah, but this doesn't work that way. Like this isn't, you know, and I'm like, I appreciate that you're trying to be positive and put a positive spin on it and everything. But this, like, this is just how it is, you know, like we can try to be positive, but I mean, you know, like ultimately we knew what the end result was going to be, even though it's not what we wanted. Well, and I think Um, that at least from my perspective, I think it goes both ways too. Like, I feel like there are some people that they are choosing the positive route and mm-hmm. then there are moms or, or whatever that take the, like, you know, there's only 10% chance. Right. And that yeah, yeah. Like, but you know what, like if that mom is latching onto that 10%, let that mom latch onto that 10%. And if that, Absolutely. Mom, if that mom has embraced the 90%, don't try to force them Mm-hmm. to accept the 10%. Like I just, mine, in those, in those situations, we just got to love that mama, no matter where she's at, whether she's like, you mm-hmm. know what, I'm embracing the 90 or, you know what, I'm hoping for the 10 and not yeah. try to shove the other down their, down throat. their throat. Yes. Let them, let them be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause me, like, of course I hoped that there was that 10%, that, you know, it was wrong. Everything was fine. But I was also like, but 90%, you know, like I did not want to get my hopes up just to have them crushed. So I was like, I'm going and expecting this. If it's this, that is fantastic. But this is what I'm expecting so that I didn't just like set myself up just to be crushed. But I also like from the beginning of this pregnancy, I just had this feeling that he wasn't mine to keep for long. So I just kind of was like, I didn't know why I felt that way at the time, but um, I was just like, that's a weird feeling, but, you know, it ended up being right. So there was a part of me that was already ready for it. And I was just like, okay, if it comes back that it's, you know, he's in the 10% and everything's going to be fine. Cool. If not, you know, that's what it is. And I actually... I wasn't going to share this, but I think I'm going to, because it kind of fits into that. So I had somebody, I didn't even remember that we were friends on Facebook. It had been so long. We'd barely interacted, but after we had posted about it, she felt the need to send me a DM and tell me that I was killing my son and not giving him a chance because I wasn't going to be delivering at the U and the U could fix his heart. And I was like, first of all, where do you come off? Like, where? No. And I was like, it's so much more than just his heart, though. You know, like, if I thought that that was going to give him the best chance, I would be up there in a heartbeat. But I knew that this was not that kind of a case. And so I was like, we're going to be where we're most comfortable, where I get my doctor, where I get, you know, like, my doctor helped me set up things. So they were exactly how I wanted them they were, you know, and it was just, but I was like, where do you get off coming after me like that? Um, So basically, if you don't have anything nice to say with how this mom chooses to do it, just don't say anything. You're just going to create more problems if you do. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of my, one of my favorite thoughts that I've ever come across in all the books that I've ever done in read and all the personal development I've ever done is every single person wants to be the tallest building. And you either achieve that by building yourself up slowly, 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 mm-hmm. or tearing other people down. Yes. And like, literally that is every single person's approach. And everybody wants to be the tallest building. They're either going to build themselves up or they're going to tear other people down. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes when I have interactions like that, where I'm like, whoa, like, hey, schnookums, where in the freak are you coming from? You know, it just, it always helps me to like, oh, you're someone who likes to tear other people's people down. And it helps me to like remove myself from like, you know what, this person doesn't even deserve my response. I'm not even going. And that whole concept of like, by Felicia and you guys, like I'm a people person to the core. Like that is just who I am. 
but I, through a lot of work and a lot of like personal development and confidence work, it's helped me realize like, I, I don't need to please this person and this person won't be pleased. There's nothing I can say, nothing I can do to make this person like me or like my, or agree with my decision or see it from my point of view there. They just won't, they won't. And so there is no point in me engaging in this conversation because they clearly just want to tear me down. So yeah. I'm just literally block, (laughs) buy Felicia, unfollow, unfriend on all the things just to like, you literally don't deserve my time and my energy and me. I deserve better than that. My kids deserve better than that. Mm -hmm. And you are not allowed to walk through my mind with your dirty feet. Right. So like, yeah, when you have those types of people who And obviously it gets a little tricky if it's like family members or whatever. Yeah. But, but if, if you have those types of people in your life, like seriously, just buy, buy Felicia. And Mm -hmm. if it is someone in your family who says that just the best way to like stop them in their tracks is just to say, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And, and just try to help. Like if they have to actually stop and think about what they just said, sometimes it helps them to like backtrack and like oh yeah (laughs) maybe that did come off a little Mm -hmm. not like I wanted it you know yeah yeah okay well I love I love I love and honestly like I will say it's even for me it was like my first nature to like I wonder if she's gonna have any more kids I wonder I wonder, but I mean, you already answered that question that you you guys are going to get genetic testing and then you'll go from mm-hmm. there, you know? And yeah. so I love that feedback of like, just don't ask, you know, cause yeah. like, let me have this child and yeah, that totally makes sense. So yeah, I told, I, my face does not have an inside voice. Like usually if you say something and I'm just like, excuse me, like it's going to show on my face. And so people would be, and I'm like, I would just point at my belly and be like, can I have this one first? Because, you know, like he still exists. He's still there. He still needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I tell my husband, he'd just be like, really? <laughs> they, they asked you that? And I'm like, oh, yes. Okay, <laughs> like, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for those of you, I feel like I should share this, but for those of you who are outside or a different religion or not religious at all in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I feel like a lot of her piece that, that you probably feel it too, even though this is just Mm -hmm. audio, like that overwhelming feeling of peace. We believe in something called the plan of salvation where, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but literally it is just basically, we know where we came from and we were with our father in heaven and our heavenly mother before this life. And then we were given a body And we came to earth to be tested, to be tried, to prove that we love God and that we're willing to serve him, willing to embrace him, willing to remember him. And then after this life, after this test, we will be judged for our actions, for the things we said, the things we did, the people we served, the people we didn't serve. Did we glorify God? Did we glorify the adversary? You know, we will be judged for the choices that we made here on earth. And then from there, we will be, I don't know what the right word is, but we will be divided according to where we are the most comfortable. And we we will live eternally after this life in the place where we are most comfortable. And if that is, you know what, I want to live with God, my, my father in heaven eternally, then that is where you'll be. If you're like, you know what, I want to live with the adversary eternally, because that's just where I'm comfortable, then that's where you'll live eternally after, after this life, after these judgments, right? And so when Rebecca said, like, honestly, I felt like he wasn't mine to even have, that's, that's pretty common in our faith and in our religion, that when people have early deaths or stillborns or whatever, we believe that those spirits they're just so special that they really didn't, they needed that test 
but literally it was, they just needed to check the box that, yep, I got a body. Yep. I came to earth. Yep. I've been tested. Oh, I'm just so freaking awesome that I didn't even need to be here that long. Cause I'm just so great. Right. Mm-hmm. And like heavenly father knew that no matter how long they lived on earth, they would serve him. They would glorify him. So they didn't need that long of a test. And, and that's something that we also believe about children with disabilities mm-hmm. that, you know, the whole spectrum from cerebral palsy to down syndrome, to everything that they, they are so perfect that they really didn't need a full blown test. They are here to bless us. They are here to bless other people. They are here to teach us patience and love and service and gentleness and meekness and compassion, but they themselves they're already perfect. They're already saved. And that's why their brains are stuck in like this, you know, somewhere between the ages of zero to eight. Cause in our, in our faith, we believe that once you hit the age of eight, that's when you hit the age of accountability. And, and so in our scriptures, it says that, you know, even those, those who have disabilities, that they, they are already saved. And, and that's one of the reasons their brains really don't ever progress. If you compare them to a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, that nine-year-old, that 10-year-old's brain is a little bit more mature than even that person who has Down syndrome, but it's 50, right? Um, just because their brain is there. So I didn't feel like, I didn't know I was going to share that, but I just <laughs> felt like I should. So um, yeah. anyways, Okay. Well, any final thoughts that you have before we, um, probably hang in there, mama. It's rough. It does get better. And you're for the rest of your life, you're going to have rough days. You know, that's, that's just how grief works. It's going to sneak up on you. You're going to think you're fine. And then one day something somewhere will trigger. And if you're like me and you don't like crying in front of people, um, like for weeks after I wouldn't even go to the grocery store without my husband, because I was so terrified that I would start crying. Nobody was going to know why. And, you know, like, they're just going to be like, okay, like, weird. And, you know, like, whatever. I was, I, that was just one of my biggest fears. So I would not go to the grocery store because I'm like, at least, you know why I'm crying. You're tall enough. I can hide behind you. I can't hide behind my three-year-old. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, if it's too bad, I can walk out and know, you know, Addie's still there. She's not going to be like, why are we leaving our stuff? And, you know, and then, um, I mean, it gets better, but if you have other kids or when you have other kids, like if it was your first, don't hide your emotion from them. Um, they're very empathetic. And if they're younger, they're going to, they'll be confused by the big feelings because they're very, very big feelings. Um, so it's okay to cry in front of your kids and it's okay to, you know, just have a hard moment in front of your kids because they need to understand that it's okay for them to have those too. And that, you know, like it's Addie will come up and she'll just hug me or wipe my face. And then, you know, if she feels that way, she, you know, she can just walk right up, you know, she can get a hug. We can wipe her face off, whatever she needs, you know, but don't, don't hide your feelings from your kids. Cause they're going to need that support too. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. Mic drop on that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, I, I mean, like I literally have no other words than just like, I just have this beautiful feeling of just peace. And I just, I am grateful for your example. I'm grateful to know that if or when I ever have a situation like this in my future pregnancies that, you know what, you, you know what it feels mm-hmm. like and, and you can help me. And, that's right. <laughs> and really mama, that's the one thing that I just, I want to encourage all of you to, like she said, don't grieve alone. And maybe you, you have that three-year-old who can wipe your tears. Maybe you have that spouse you can hide behind. Maybe you don't. And maybe, maybe you need to reach out to, to a sister, to a parent, to a friend. But I promise, Mm -hmm. even if you feel so super alone right now, there is someone out there 
there is someone out there who can comfort you. And you may not even know who they are right now. They may be a, so, a stranger on social media. I don't know Rebecca <laughs> in real life. We have never actually met, right? But no, like, we went to high school together. <laughs> but are we the same age? I think so. Yeah, I turned 30 this year. But okay. I, my birthday's in the fall, so I was a year behind you. Okay. Well, we do actually know each other in real life, but we didn't. <laughs> it's just know. been a very long time. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that. But really, truly, like, no matter how you connect with people, Mm -hmm. you can find them, you can reconnect, you can, Mm -hmm. you can find those, those relationships, you will find them in the strangest places. Mm -hmm. Like I would post something on social media, and I swear, like 10 more moms would come out of the woodwork. Or, you know, we would just be talking to somebody and they would either they'd gone through it or somebody close to them had gone through it. And you just there's, it's not something that's talked about a lot. So that does make you feel very, very alone when it um, when you're going through it. But if you just reach out even just the tiniest little bit, you will find somebody that you can just grab onto and they'll help you through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> All right, my beautiful mamas. Well, thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. And if you need or want any more help or thoughts or anything, where can they find you on social media? All right. So my Instagram, I always forget what it is. Um, I believe it's Mrs. Let's see here. I think it's Mrs. Rebecca Boyer, isn't it? Yeah. I couldn't remember if there was a number on the back of it. There's not. So it's just Mrs. Rebecca Boyer. Or you can find me under Rebecca Hutchings Boyer on Facebook. Just send me a message before so I know where you found me from because they are private accounts. But if you just mentioned in the podcast, I'll be like, oh, hey. So we can be friends. (laughs) I love it. it. Okay. Well, thank you, mamas, for tuning in with us. And remember, you are loved. Remember, you're not alone. And we'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.